Welcome to Traversing the Darkness. This is a wine and witchcraft production where witches unveil the darkness within. I am the Shadow Moon Witch, also known as Dana. And I am also joined by my wonderful partner, Justin. (laughs) Hello, my name is Justin. You may know me as the Witch of Enchantment. Welcome back to the podcast. Another episode. Yay! (laughs) We're trying to truck on along. (laughs) Uh, We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're badasses. We got this. (laughs) We do. We can do it. I have faith in us. Uh, Some faith. (laughs) I mean, as long as we don't get hit by an onslaught of germs like everybody's been doing. (laughs) It's been so bad. It's. I, I feel like it's a constant cycle, though. Like, it's not going away. No. No, it's not. It's like <laughs> it's you start to get, yes, you start to get better and then it just it's it just starts all over again. It's insane. That's not so the we're gonna try and keep ahead of things. Yes, <laughs> we'll we'll see how successful we are on that. <laughs> um okay, so in today's episode we're talking about toxic positivity, but also more mental health, I think, right? I mean, that's a general consensus for the episode of today. Um, I think it's interesting too, like the juncture between witchcraft and mental health. Right. Well, for me, that's always been deeply tied. And I started, I started experiencing depression when I was 14 and I came to witchcraft when I was 14. So it, you know, the depression came, came first and then finding witchcraft. And it was mostly just me trying to find a way to put myself in the driver's seat and take control of my healing journey, even at such a young age. So they, for me personally, in my own personal practice, they have always been extremely tied. I echo the same. I mean, I feel the same way. I felt really out of control for most of my life until I came to witchcraft because you are like, you're in the driver's seat. You make the calls, you, you do what feels right for you. And there's something very empowering about that. Um, oh my gosh, that opens up a whole another conversation. That's not what it's fully what it's about either. Oh my gosh. Okay, but here we go. Okay, talk about another episode. <laughs> we will. <laughs> so toxic positivity was something we wanted to talk about. And before we kind of get into it, I wanted to read the generalized definition of what toxic positivity is. So toxic positivity or positive toxicity is a dysfunctional emotional management without the full acknowledgement of negative emotions, particularly anger or sadness. I think that is so relevant, not even just in the mundane world, but within online witchcraft circles. I don't know how you feel about that, but it goes, I feel like it goes hand in hand with like the good vibes only mentality. And if we just focus on the positive nothing bad can happen or nothing bad is relevant to our life. Right. And that in itself is inherently damaging. And for me, the first thing that I kind of come to with my first experiences with toxic positivity is dealing with depression. And, you know, the many, many times that I've been told, oh, just, you know, think good thoughts. And it's like, you don't understand. That's not how this works. And that's extremely undermining and it's invalidating and it's just, it makes you feel like you're less of a person experiencing this because 
you're not happy, you're not okay. And it's, it's not okay to make people or it's not okay to not be okay, because you're making people feel uncomfortable. And I think that also pulls into this, um, this experience that we're having with toxic positivity in the witchcraft community. Um, I feel like those who really perpetuate the toxic, that toxic positive um, notion really want to continue to do that because they're feeling uncomfortable by the, those not so great feelings. And a lot of that is like a lack of self-awareness or, um, you know, a number of things. Yes. It's so funny you say that because I, I a hundred percent agree with that. And I also, there's something about this good vibes only mentality or this toxic positivity that reminds me of my Christian upbringing and like just completely negate it, suppress it. And it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even, I didn't really even think about it in the way that you're talking in the sense of no self-awareness, but I, I think you're really hitting like the nail on the head there or it's like they, you want to have a shiny beacon of something else to focus on, right? Like it's a Dory and Finding Nemo situation where if I just focus on like the spells and the the camera or the candles or whatever, then I don't have to address what's going on internally. And I can just right. kind of negate my own experience. And it's like this escapism or I can't remember what the, the term is for it, where you dissociate. Yeah, dis- yeah dissociation. Um, well, when it comes to magic specifically, I think, I think when you're coming to the altar and you want to try and for, for say, you know, dispelled negativity, which there's nothing wrong with that. If it's an outside influence or an influence that, 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 which you bring yourself, but you also need to take into the fact that you have to face what's happening deeper. If you're coming to the altar to try and rid yourself of something negative going on in your life, if it's another person for, say, a toxic person, then you need to assess that relationship that you have or maybe a toxic habit or trait within yourself. And if you're not willing to uncover those parts of yourself and look at yourself in that way, your spell is going to suffer. Your magic is going to suffer. I completely agree. I've never... I've never associated witchcraft as like a solution to depression though. And I don't know why. I think maybe it's because of my upbringing where I don't want to like rely on an outside source to quote unquote fix me. I don't know. I've never thought of like banishing depression because it kind of sounds silly to me. It's funny because as we're talking about this, the thing that pops into my head is Merlin from Sword in the Stone, where he's like, and don't think that magic will solve all your problems because believe me, it won't. (laughs) Well, it's just so like reminiscent to me where it's like, oh, I'll just go to the altar and banish depression. It's like, oh, well, I'll just go pray to Jesus and everything will be okay. And what's interesting is the same people who kind of push this good vibes, toxic positivity, mentality in another video or in another post talk about the need for work and how to like work alongside your spell to get it to manifest the way you want it to. But then they're also talking about how mindset changes everything. And it's like, we can't 
we can't negate the truth of magic. And that is that it is limited. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it wasn't limited, we'd all have buku money and live stress-free. I mean, right. you can't negate the human experience. And I mean, no amount of spells could stop the grief that you and I have both experienced from the losses that we've had, or, you know, no amount of spells has ever been able to cure my depression. And that's just the reality of it. But it has helped. Magic yeah. has helped. My beliefs have helped. They've helped me seek all other s- forms of help, like medication and therapy, and all of the all of that combined has been what's been able to help me really get a handle on myself. But like, do you feel I, like it's it's spellcraft or it's work with deity? I, I it's situational for me. Okay, so there are times where it is spellcraft. There's times where it's spellcraft with deity helping. There's times where it's just deity. It just really depends on the situation. For me, as far as like mental health and trauma is concerned, I don't know. I don't know how I would equate spellcraft to my progression with acceptance. I feel like it's been more an internal thing with deity and and therapy. Obviously, a lot of therapy. I am such a big proponent of therapy. Me too. Just... (laughs) You need somebody to tell you the things that you don't want to hear and you need the help to kind of unravel all of these aspects of yourself that you're maybe not even aware of and things you implement into your life. And you're like, why is my life this way? Or why, why am I behaving in this way? And then it's like, okay, wow, that, okay. I see the dots connecting. It's, it's making more sense now. You know, I've always been this this type of person who's needed attention, and I've never been aware of that kind of desire. Like, I want the attention, and then when I'm getting the attention, I don't feel worthy of the attention. <laughs> but growing up and never seeing, like, my pictures hanging on the wall, never feeling acknowledged, like, it all makes sense to, yeah. as an adult, why I crave those things, but then don't feel worthy but I feel like sitting in a, my power as a witch or like claiming that title and kind of going through the journey of feeling magically worthy has helped kind of seep into other aspects of my life. Right. Well, our childhood wounds actually dictate a very large portion of what we do and why we do it. And that's definitely something that I've discovered in therapy as well. It's just, holy crap, this is why I do these things. And it's you're not going to get anywhere without having the self-awareness to to look into those uncomfortable moments in your life or those uncomfortable memories. So when we're talking about toxic positivity, we are completely throwing a blanket over all of the stuff that's really necessary to really, I think, be on the healing path. And we're just pretending it doesn't exist. It's like going to a family gathering because, you know, at the time we're recording this, this is a writer on the holidays and realizing your family has a lot of garbage, but no one's talking about it. <laughs> That's another form of toxic positivity. And it's exhausting because you're standing here going, we have so much crap that we're not dealing with and nobody's discussing it. And I think that's that happens in the witchcraft community, too, where there's just so much stuff that people don't want to face or don't want to talk about because it makes them uncomfortable. 
or you're worried about what other people are going to say or how other people are going to interpret it. And it's, it is, it's like dancing around the fire, like you, and not in a good way. You just don't want to go there. You just and don't want to go there. I think in, in the witchcraft community specifically, it also sort of speaks to the fact that pretty much every single witch struggles, struggles from imposter syndrome. And so yeah, I, think I would agree with that. Are tied, honestly, I really do. And I think that, you know, if, if you talk about this stuff, maybe somehow it exposes you in a way that you're not comfortable doing, or, you know, it is difficult to be vulnerable. And that's the other challenge that people face when they have to do shadow work or deal with, or trying to turn away from, for instance, toxic positivity. People who perpetuate toxic positivity usually don't really want to be vulnerable. And I get it. That's not a fun thing to do, but sometimes it's so necessary. Well, and because most of the time the vulnerability is in a place of trauma or in a place of quote unquote darkness, like you're not, nobody's really being vulnerable in a way that, you know, paints them in a positive light. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's usually something that's, you know, you wouldn't expect, or you're unveiling something that you typically don't want other people to know. And when you were when you were talking about going to family gatherings and kind of not talking about the things, it made me think of a line from from Golden Girls, where Blanche is talking about her family, and she's like, you know, I loved my family dearly, and we had a couple of dollars, but when you get down to it, they were basically trash. Um, and it, it it's interesting because I don't know if you felt this way, Dana. But I've always, growing up, I was trained not to see the negative things, to just kind of focus on God's loving light and everything would work out. Everything would be fine. And as I've gotten, as I got older, those like rose color lenses start to fall away. But even in my adulthood, even now, I have found that I am a people pleaser in a way that I wasn't really aware of until a couple of years ago, where if I feel like there's too much tension happening between me and somebody else, I try to uh, take a, I take a detour and try to bypass whatever that is that's going to happen because I'm a lot of times scared of rocking the boat. Get in loser or avoiding our problems. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just avoid the problems altogether because it's I it's uncomfortable to have those kind of conversations. It, it I don't like it. I don't really like being emotional. I don't be like being confrontational, like actually really confrontational with people in jest and in a comedic way and for entertainment purposes. It's easy. But when it's genuine, I get very nervous getting into that zone because I'm worried about being the actual bitch or hurting somebody's feelings or sitting in that space is just scary to me. I don't, I don't really like it. It's also interesting because, and we're going to have more episodes where we touch on this, but you and I were raised in very different environments. Whereas, you know, I was raised in a secular household. I didn't have that, you know, just give your problems to God but I still struggle with the same things that you do in regards to I was the peacekeeper in my family. I had to try and keep everybody calm and happy because I couldn't deal with the tumultuous energy that was happening. 
And I still struggle with that now because I genuinely struggle dealing with other people's negative energy. I absorb it really quickly and it affects me really deeply. And I do not like dealing with confrontation. I, a lot of the time, don't know how to stand tall for myself, which is something that I've actually really been able to work on a lot more um, over the last few years. But that was a deep struggle and has continued to be so. But, you know, when you're, when you're the peacekeeper in your family, you'll do anything you can to try and keep that peace. And that bleeds into your adult relationships where you don't want to face those negative emotions because it also makes you feel vulnerable. And if you're someone like me who has complex PTSD, it makes you feel triggered and unsafe. And sometimes we need to have those difficult conversations, especially in the moments when we know that some of our shit's going to get overturned. Yeah. <laughs> we have to deal with our stuff too. And it's really, it can be challenging, especially if you don't know the person very well. You don't know how they're going to respond or react. Are they going to listen or are they going to rea be reactive? And um, that's something like for a perfect example, my husband and I have done really well to try and navigate and, and adjust in our marriages. We've tried to be less reactive and more just listen. But um, there's a lot of people, especially if they haven't done that emotional work and the mental work there, they will just be reactive, especially when you challenge them or you try to give them, bring them out of their like safe little love and light bubble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It and, becomes an attack. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, most, most of the time in most situations, it's like, I'm not trying to attack you. I'm just trying to challenge you gently and being challenged. That's okay. It is okay to be challenged, but I, I, I do feel like there's a, a point in the witchcraft community with the toxic positivity thing that really is about validating your, yourself or your power as a witch. And somehow if, you suffer from PTSD or any sort of mental health issue that somehow you're not as connected to your abilities. You're not working with the right deity. You're not doing the right spell work. It's such a dangerous rhetoric because again, it's like, is, is this a Christian? Is this a Judeo Christian setup here? Like it's not about a relationship with a deity that contributes to your mental health. Like I think having a healthy relationship with whatever deity connects with you could be helpful to, you know, a healthy mental health journey. But I I don't think that that's a healthy rhetoric to kind of spew around. And another thing that bothers me that I've seen a lot lately in a lot of witchcraft books and kind of this narrative that's been happening is uh, people who are not mental health professionals giving mental health advice, presenting themselves as though they are mental health professionals or that they've been practicing witchcraft for X amount of years. And if you do what I did, you'll be cured. And I think it's okay to share our experiences, you know, how, how you've processed your trauma within your own spirituality and your own craft. And the same That's for clear. me. None of us are mental health professionals. Correct. So it's, I think it's okay to share your experience, but your experience is not a fact. Nope. You know what I mean? I mean, there's facts, but how I experience witchcraft or my experience with Hecate or whatever it is I'm doing, or my experience in therapy is simply that it's not my, my experience is not a proven science. 
It's just my experience within that field. And I think it's okay to share that. And I think it's helpful, but when it's presented as though it's factual, I think that's, it just adds to this pressure that somehow if we're not performing a certain way as witches and that's not correlating to our mental health, then somehow we're failing. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm really grateful that you brought that up because it kind of makes me think back to, you know, when I had started on this path in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, I was obviously, again, like I came to this trying to deal with my depression in a lot of ways. And that was more perpetuated, I think, back then, even more so than it is now, because there's kind of an awakening happening now where people are realizing you know, we should process our traumas. And if we're struggling with something, if we're not a complete put together person, that doesn't make us any less of a witch. And personally, for me, all of my struggles have done nothing but empower me throughout the years. And yes, things have waxed and waned. I've had my struggles. I've had my pain. I've had moments where I felt like I shouldn't even be doing what I'm doing. But I think that it is a very dangerous rhetoric, rhetoric to to say that you are less of a witch if you struggle with these things and that you need to always be put together before you even go to the altar. I remember reading that in in books way back then yeah. and and just being like, "Oh, so I can't come here when I feel bad? This isn't isn't this supposed to be a safe space." So Right. Or you're supposed to be perfectly perfect and feel 100% and relaxed. And, oh, I feel beautiful. It's like, I would never be able to practice witchcraft. (laughs) I'm a shit show 90% of the time. Right. One of the most powerful things I have done is go to my altar and just ball. Right. I (laughs) feel you on that. That's one of my favorite things to do Mm because you just got to let it out. My first spell was writing all, everything that made me angry down on a paper and burning it. That was my first spell. <laughs> and I was like 14 or 15. And it was so powerful because I just remember taking one of those big coffee tins, like the big metal ones, and just lighting this thing up and just being like, yes, watch it burn. <laughs> well, there's there's something so powerful about that. Though. It's like such a rush and a release. Mm-hmm. To just... It's still one of my go-to things. <laughs> yeah, because I think once you see it, when you're putting that, emotion in motion, it becomes real. It's kind of like, I'm one of these people where I'll be aware of something that's not working in my life. Like I'm aware of it, but if I just push it to the back of my mind, I feel like I can compartmentalize it and just not acknowledge it. It's like, once I say it out loud, I can't lie to myself anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I did a video about that and like unveiling the truth, unveiling the lies in a video I did about Hecate. And it was that kind of thing where I just, I need to get this out because it it's like venom. It has to, I just got to get it out. And I feel like this toxic positivity vibe is, I almost look at it like it's out in the wild in some rainforest. And these witches are trying to just cut the fat for perception. You know, I think the commercialized view of witchcraft is we 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 don't want to we don't want people to see us as crazy, right? Or as freaks so, or as mental cases. So we're gonna push the positive thing. We're put together, and if you're not that, you know, it's like thinning out the herd. Like you're not 
the picture perfect perception we're trying to push right now. I'm glad so, you brought that up too, because you're you're not valid. Yeah, we tend to get kind of separate wives on it, separate wives on it. You know, that is so perfect. <laughs> that is a perfect statement. I so agree with you on that. And it's just that's that's not why I'm here. That's not what brought me here. That's not what's been the most powerful lessons for me to learn in my craft. And yes, I, I do think I do spell work and, and whatnot when I'm happy too, of course, but I do my work through the whole spectrum of human emotion. The only time I don't generally do spellcraft or magic is when I'm sick, but that's because you're conserving your energy in that regard, right. which I suppose the same could be said if you're going through a depressive episode, but to be perfectly honest, being able to go and have that release of, like I said, crying it out or doing bath magic or burning some something that is harmful to me. Those things are very cathartic and they help you gain control in a situation where you don't feel like you have any. We should definitely do an episode on imposter syndrome too. I mean, I know you guys talked about it at, um, on Wine and Witchcraft, but I do think that I've really suck, get sucked into the whole perpetuating that witchcraft is this pure thing because it's been so quite literally demonized and i've spent so much time trying to prove to everybody that it wasn't especially in the first like 20 years of my practice and which is a long time i mean that's two decades of me trying to prove nothing basically to anybody and I definitely perpetuated that toxic positivity uh, a lot of times, I think, through trying to show everybody that it's I'm not I'm not the evil witch and blah, 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 blah. And I think it's the blessing about getting into you, your 30s and and getting older is you kind of stop caring about all of that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's true. And, you know, for me personally, one of the biggest things and one of the reasons why my channel is called the shadow moon which is because shadow work was really kind of what changed my practice tremendously and working with death deities or you know working with gods that are unusual like odin <laughs> or yeah. um you know just trying to navigate all the things i'm finding out in therapy and navigate all of my own self journey but still trying to be very real with myself instead of avoiding everything and hiding under a rock and sitting here trying to perpetuate to the masses like, no, witchcraft is sunshiny, bright thing. It's it's not, actually. And I like that it's nitty gritty. I like that it's painful sometimes. I like that some of the worst experiences I've had in my life have also been tied to me trying to navigate my path or you know having a deity come into my life and be like whoops now you're having psychosis like <laughs> it's true it's 100 percent true and it's kind of one of the things that annoys me about the I, I don't i don't think it's a narrative it's like the view or how it looks online is like this cookie cutter pretty thing and witchcraft isn't I mean, I guess it can be that for be. you if you want it to be, but I mean, historically, and I hate saying that it's not, you know, rainbows and sunshine. Right. <laughs> I mean, when you look at any sort of spiritual practice, it's not born out of happiness. I mean, just take Christianity, the story of Jesus. It's not born out of, oh, everybody's having a gay old time. Uh, it, you know, it's born out of oppression. 
that's right. that's what it's for. And you know, it's used to oppress people now, but that's a different story. You know, all of these things, if you look at hoodoo and all these things were born out of necessity to empower people who were oppressed or to empower marginalized individuals. Right. And it's, I feel like it's almost a disservice to come into the practice and try to negate not only your experience, which is perfectly valid, however you handle your own shit, that's on you, but to try to perpetuate that onto other people, I think is the real issue. And my own personal experience and being a content creator and sharing my trauma publicly is being told like, you know, you really should move on from that. You really should be move on from your dead son. You shouldn't be perpetuating these ideas or why are you sharing these negative emotions? It's like, because it's what I'm feeling, but it doesn't kind of touching on what you were saying. It, that's not very appealing to the masses. You know what I mean? It's not like the beautiful sunshine showing the altar and flowers flowing everywhere and, you know, beautiful skulls and hello, which is today we're going to talk about how I healed my, you know, polycystic ovarian syndrome by drinking orange tea every day and sticking a eucalyptus thing up my ass. Like, you know what I mean? Like everything's become like a Pinterest video or like a yeah. Pinterest solve, like five easy steps and you're the most powerful, which there is like cure your depression with a selenite wand and pray to Celine three times and everything's good. It's just, it's so simplified that it just, negates the whole experience to me. And I just don't know how to, how to be that. I just can't be that. Well, I can tell you no amount of magic has helped me with my endometriosis. The only thing that's really helped so far, aside from the six fucking surgeries that I've had is ripping out my uterus. <laughs> You're just you not doing magic, right? <laughs> F me. You've had the wrong mindset. If you were just good vibes only, they would have been fine. <laughs> Never mind the disease that's taking over my insides. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I mean, when you were talking about Peyton and you were saying, you know, that you should just be, you know, should I just be over that? My heart sank because I was thinking like, no, absolutely not. And let's, let's talk about that for a second where there are beautiful things that you have done for him. Like last year when you made that candle for him for the holiday season. I thought that that was fantastic. And to me, that is a way of health, being healthy and acknowledging your grief, yeah. but also inviting him in and making a wonderful, welcoming place for his spirit to come. That is, that is a powerful thing and it is a healing thing. And no, it is not full of all that love and light, but there is also some of that there too. Yeah. So, and that's that right there, I think, is how to appropriately deal with this kind of stuff where you let the good end with the bad. You remember those things that, and you bring about those things that remind you of him, but you're also sitting in that space of, I'm grieving and I miss this person. And that's okay to feel that way because our experiences shape us, they change us, and they will forever change us especially when it comes to things, big things like loss, that you'll never be the same after experiencing something like that. And you have to acknowledge it because 
and acknowledge that the person you were before that happened is not the same person that you are now. And I think that's the other, yeah, I think that's the other thing with toxic positivity that I struggle with is that it perpetuates enough being inauthentic. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I've really tried to continue to try and be even more so as I've really grown into myself in my 30s. And um, I try to show that on my channel as well, just trying to be my authentic self. And this is kind of what you get. I am a huge nerd, but <laughs> um, but I also am a person who's been through a lot. I've, I'm a person who's in pain a lot, both mentally and physically. And I'm a person who's grieving, who always will be grieving. I'm a person who also loves to smile and be weird. And (laughs) I'm a gigantic nerd for Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and Sailor of the Moon. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I mean, I kind of, when you were talking, I was thinking witchcraft really is the tool for processing my grief, for processing my trauma because I don't know how to do it without that. And what I've learned over the past few years is not really learned, but I saw my maturity shift because before having an online presence, the presence that I put, the persona that I put online, I tried to integrate into my life. So the version of myself I put online, that's what I tried to be when the camera wasn't on. As I've gotten older, as you said, in your 30s, the authenticity flows so much easier and I'm being more honest with myself because of therapy and what I'm learning about myself, not only through therapy, but through deity work and self-reflection and actually being honest with myself about myself is the person I am behind the camera is starting to come to the forefront. Like, and it's the way- so badass. It, it, I feel like it's bad. I mean, I don't get why people watch because it's not, it doesn't seem entertaining to me, but I don't know how to know how to change that. And I don't want to change that. Like this, there's this version of myself. It's like, I see the finish line, not a legitimate finish line, but like, you know, in video games where like you pass a checkpoint and you're like, okay, I'm saved up. I'm good for now. I feel like I'm done. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, I feel like I'm approaching that checkpoint. And there's like this massive shift going on right now. And I don't know that I would be here without my practice and without Hecate. But at the same time, um, it's not been pretty. It's not been beautiful. It's not, I mean, it is beautiful, but it's beautiful in all the ugly ways of sadness. I I think looking at self. Um, self-reflection and self-love and self-worth as a journey like that where you're reaching these checkpoints and that it's a continuing practice that you'll you will be doing for the rest of your life that is actually a very humble way to approach it and you know because to be perfectly honest I've always been afraid of turning into a narcissist I'm terrified of it I don't want to be that person and so to love myself it's it scared me because I was like that meant that what if all of a sudden I'm this this self-absorbed horrific person yeah. and the reality is is that i'm not capable of that but it still is important to keep yourself in check as you're going through that self-healing journey and i love the um the um the term the term that you used of just kind of using that check those as checkpoints because self-love and self-awareness is a practice it's a continuing practice 
And we're not going to get anywhere if we're toxically positive. Because <laughs> that I just, also denies us the ability to feel in the way that yeah. we're meant to feel. And then if everything's perfect and there's no issues and we're, we negate the whole mental health experience, um, what what is the spiritual path? Right. What is the practice? What so, What is there? Where's the substance? Yeah. Um, for, for our listeners, um, one of the really good example, like pop culture references for what it is like to experience toxic positivity, go watch the movie Inside Out and watch the character Joy. Watch what she does. And then you'll realize that is toxic positivity. It's a very, very good, like simple way to display that. And if you guys have seen that movie before, you'll understand kind of a little bit more of what we're talking about because, and it's important to feel these things. It's important to have our memories be both happy and sad. I know that you think about your son and those memories are both happy and sad. It's the same with my mom. I look back at my whole childhood and there's joy in that, but there's also sadness because I don't have my mother anymore. And that's painful, but it's also comforting at the same time because I have these memories with her. And if we're not processing things like this, if we're just pretending like it's all okay, the biggest issue that, and the one thing that I, I really stick by is nothing ever goes away. You either deal with it or it deals with you. And that's inevitable. I 100% agree with that. 100%. Your trauma will manifest in some yeah. way in your life, whether you're aware of it or not. Right. 15 years later, you're like, oh, shit. Wow. The dots are connecting. And I have felt, talking about being a narcissist, I, and that that word is important, scares me. And every time I say the word I or right I, I feel very awkward because when I was not confident, I didn't grow up feeling acknowledged or valued in any way. So, you know, when I became an adult, I kind of faked it and I put on this persona, like I'm a badass bitch and I'm all that there is, but inside I was just felt shitty about myself but as I've gotten older, it's hard not to say the word I for me. And I always am aware of it because I'm like, it's not all about me. Like, I, why do I use that word a lot? And Brittany was like, you don't say it a lot out of context. It's it's not, you don't make every situation about you, but I always have a fear of making everything about me. I struggle with that too. When I'm discussing something with someone and I'm relating to them. I will relate with an experience that I've had because that's how I see connection when I'm taught, when I'm trying to comfort someone or just listen to them with their struggles or let them vent. I usually try to show connection by saying like, well, I've had this experience and you know, this is my feelings on it. But my biggest advice and what I've worked with is I always try to turn the conversation back to them. So I'll share my experience and then I'll, I'll kind of just be like, okay, so what about, you know, <laughs> Um, but I, I have the same struggles and that's how it manifests for me. And I'm doing the same thing right now where I'm sharing my experience with you. <laughs> it's funny. I feel like it's exhausting though, to be, sometimes they say to be self-aware. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
It is. Do you feel that ever? Because it's like um, you're, you can become so vigilant of your actions and what you're saying. And sometimes it's like, should I be thinking this hard about this thing or, or am I just being ridiculous? Do you feel that? Oh yeah. I mean, actually even having this podcast is, is like scary to me a little bit. Cause I'm like, Oh geez, I'm going to have to really like really lay a lot of stuff out there and be vulnerable in a lot of ways. And I want to, like, I want to bring that to this because it shows the authenticity that I really try to genuinely bring about, but it's also scary. (laughs) It's terrifying. It's super terrifying, terrifying, especially because nobody can see our visual cues and people may not know us. And then the podcast may just be shitty all together. (laughs) But that's what I tell myself to feel better about being vulnerable is like, maybe nobody will listen to it. So it will go fall on deaf ears and everything will be fine. But (laughs) again, it feeds into like this idea of, well, you know, if it's not cookie cutter, it's okay to be vulnerable. I don't know. It's, it's just a vicious cycle. Right. And you're, you're absolutely right. There's where that's kind of rearing its ugly head within us. The reason why we feel uncomfortable is because we feel like we need to perpetuate that perfect cookie cutter image that every witch should be. And again, it's very stepper. (laughs) I'm just going to keep it is it is very stepford that's the perfect it's a perfect correlation for that i feel that jane i don't know if you feel this way but it's like the background of a video or the lighting or the sound like falling into that trap of perfectionism which aligns so perfectly with toxic positivity the perfectionism toxic the camera perfectionism. angle yep. yes i think they're so closely tied that they're the evil Siamese twins of the community at this point, because the bar is so high to not be a normal person. (laughs) It's a society. We keep raising that bar just as it's a societal pressure. And, you know, I, we could do a whole nother episode on toxic perfectionism and how that applies to witchcraft as well, which I'd love to explore because that is something that I struggle the shit with. (laughs) I do too. And even if nobody's looking and I'm still <laughs> feeling it, I'm judging myself. It's like, nobody's looking in through the window. Why, do, why am I worried about that? Yeah. But it like, is I'm at my altar. And I, if I fumble on my words or something, I'm like, Oh, and then it's just like, what is, they're not going to care. <laughs> like the deities aren't going to care. <laughs> they're not, but it, it, it's the pressure. It's the Mm -hmm. pressure. It's also a pressure to speak a certain way. I have redone videos if I feel like my tone is not positive enough or not like bright enough. And I I noticed this when I came back to YouTube is that when I'm speaking, even I'm doing it right now, I'm aware of it now that I'm talking about it. Like my voice is up like an octave or two. Because mm-hmm. when I normally talk, it's more like this, which is not a big difference. Like I have a high voice. I just do. But when <laughs> I'm, it's hard for me not to do it because I know I'm recording something. Like I want my voice to sound like light and bright because I feel like that's what's more welcoming. And it's stupid. My voice gets really high when I'm talking to strangers. <laughs> is really it like funny. a nervous thing? It's like, a, oh, excuse me or have a good day. <laughs> 
I just feel like such a like 2008 beauty blogger. Like, hi guys. But that's what I do. Cause I just feel like, again, this positive smile, Stepford wife, like you said, type of delivery is what you got to do. It's like, it's part of the game now. You're either the Stepford wife or you're just a pure devil worshiper. Like you got to be full goth or step for wife, like there's no room for the quote unquote normal, I'm using that term loosely, presenting people that are just like, hey, this is my life. Like you got to push the envelope and it, it's like too much pressure. I, again, like I, I definitely think we should save more for maybe an episode on toxic perfectionism because that really could be a whole episode on itself and how it affects us. But as for toxic positivity, you know, I don't think that we're going to get very far continuing to perpetuate toxic positivity and continuing to have that rhetoric of like, you're not a good witch if you're not all together. Or, um, and as you brought up, I really think a lot of it is societal program programming, which as I've gotten older, I've really kind of learned how much societal programming is embedded within us especially under the the lens of christianity which is another thing that i'd love to dis- discuss more on this podcast but um reeling it back to to- toxic positivity you are extinguishing an opportunity for growth whenever you are shoving all of your shadows in a closet and just pretending like it's not there you are trying to avoid something that is just going to eventually deal with you as i said (laughs) so you know um that's sort of my closing statement on this episode because we're getting to that point we should probably wrap it up but (laughs) we are do you feel like i I did want to say this because it was coming to mind when you when you were talking do you feel like the people who present with this type of mentality are kind of pushing for an enlightened what's the word not enlightened but this this facade is though they have ascended to a place higher than their trauma that's how i see it sometimes like they've ascended i'm so connected and i'm so powerful that i have moved beyond all of these negative events in my life i definitely do and when someone really perpetuates that persona to me it screams narcissist (laughs) So, I valid point (laughs) because again, you lose your sense of of being humble when you're sitting here thinking, I'm so above these things that you know, I'm so above these things that cannot hurt me. And it's perfectly fine to stand within your power and say, like, I'm going to walk away from this toxic relationship. This person can't hurt me anymore, but you're still going to have to process the damage that they've done to you. Correct. And it's probably going to affect you for years. At least in my experience it has Same. so you know um you can't i don't i personally don't think that i could ever say that i am healed above my trauma that to me is just not possible and it's always going to be something that i'm going to be processing and it comes out in those strangest ways in ways where i'm just like i'm okay oh suddenly something is triggering me oh and, god the triggers yes and I feel you on that. When you acknowledge those and you sit with them and you realize, okay, 
I'm getting triggered. And this is probably why that's where you're standing in your power. I agree. I mean, for in closing for the episode, I, I feel the same way. I feel like if I were to pretend as though those traumas and those events haven't shaped me as a person, I think I would still be in that very stunted place in my life. You know what I mean? You're just like at a stop sign and you just can't go anywhere. And so you can accept that and process it. Then you're on the journey to healing. And I 100% agree with you. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's never ending. And every day we experience something new that feeds into our trauma. Another trigger, another thing we have to process, another kind of stone to unhinge, to, you know, process, to grow with. So I'm not for toxic positivity at all. Back to toxic positivity. Everything I'm trying to do. <laughs> just going to sit in the dark. I'm just a dark little bitch. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm okay with it too. But losing rehearsing our traumas. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. That's triggering. <laughs> but that is, I think that's our episode today. Yes, it is. <laughs> so we will be back again. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but we'll be back. Stay tuned. <laughs> Bitches. <laughs>